Good morning, and welcome to Connections Radio Show, where we talk about ideas that matter. I'm glad you've made the connection and are with us today. I'm Laurie Fitz, your host, and the goal of our show is to explore a wide range of topics that challenge us to see ourselves, our community, and the world around us in ways that get us thinking, get us talking, get us imagining, and get us connected, and perhaps inspired or challenged to do just a bit more because we've made that connection. So our topic today is women, culture, the stories about us, finding the humor, and discovering our own stories. Hosting with me today is Rick Bernardo, um, and he has invited a very special guest, and I'm going to let Rick do the formal introductions. I will be formal and wear a tuxedo <laughs> even if I have to. Uh, uh, but I'm still Rick, and, and we've got with us Gina Barreca, uh, with whom we had some good laughs and all kinds of uh, deeper insights on a program a number of months ago. Uh, and she's, uh, she had just reached, released a book, Fast Fallen Women, at the time. And it's part of a series of books about fast women. <laughs> and and, and uh, they're beautiful. They're anthologies, uh, basically, uh, that she's edited from various authors. But uh, a little more about Gina. She was called by People Magazine Smart and Funny, and by Ms. Magazine uh, the Feminist Humor Maven. And uh, I first met her because I wanted to meet her after I saw a book many years ago that was called, they used to call me Snow White, but I drifted. And I thought, I got to meet this person. So good morning, Gina. Hello. I'm so delighted to be with both of you again. What a treat. Absolutely. We're delighted to have you back. Uh, so how, how is Fast Fallen Women doing? Um, it actually did um, beautifully. Uh, it got to number three in new releases on Amazon. Oh, congratulations. And, um, thank you. And even um, more uh, crucially or vitally to me, it sold out of all of the initial copies bought by... Um, the Independent Booksellers oh, Association wonderful. that sell through bookshop.org. So they had to go back and reorder right away. And so I think it's it has captured the imagination of a lot of readers. And of course, that's what, uh, you know, that's what's important. It's, it's tapped into a place where people need, uh, feel they need to uh, read their stories, tell their stories. And as you said, the important thing is about making connections. And I think that people have connected through this book. This is the third in the series of Fast Woman books that I've done, uh, but it's it's really done better than the first two, which were Fast Funny Women and then Fast Fierce Women. And I think that the books are getting better all the time. I think we're getting better at, at learning how to do them and as the editor of the series of, of getting people. But this... Um, you know, this book included new and original pieces by Amy Tan, Carolyn Levitt, uh, James Smiley, uh, Darian Huji by um, by well-known and established important uh, writers. And we're accompanied by um, writers who are 20 to 87, but who have never seen their work in print before. And that's part of what I like to do is to put very established, uh, significant, already uh, well-known voices, right next to the emerging voices. And, and when you so, ask when you ask them to be part of the book and and to submit their essay, 
Do you yeah. give them like a prompt of tell your story or tell your story about how you're a fallen woman or <laughs> I tell them the title. I yeah. mean, it's like fast oh. fallen women. What, what do you, how do you define fallen? And one of the uh, really fun, uh, surprising parts about the book is that 75 women you have different 75 different versions of what counts as fallen and so um not only the sort of eve in the garden you know are leading to the fall of all of mankind i mean men fall but <laughs> because women have tempted them right i mean right. we always get we always get the tough part here um, <laughs> we're, you know, we're the instigators have, of the fall we just have to eat everything Right. I mean, and so, um, oh, you know, you put something in front of us. I mean, it wasn't even a pie. It was just the plain apple. Uh, and um, and that's how you go. And that's how you know that God is a man. People come up to me and go, don't is a feminist who think God is female. I'm going, absolutely not. No female God would have said, here's a beautiful piece of fruit. Don't touch it. That we would have said, look, this is a natural form of sugar. You can use it to clean your teeth. You can eat it raw with some cheese. You can bake it into a pie. You could stuff it with figs. You could, no. A male God says, here's this, don't eat it. Here's your first test. Uh -uh. The forbidden, uh, the forbidden. Yeah, exactly. It's forbidden. <laughs> it contains knowledge and it's forbidden. Yeah. So and, and, me, and I think it's good that we're, we're questioning into, so you're going to keep knowledge from me. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. So this is kind of a test as like whether I'm worthy enough for knowledge. Yeah. No, this is like, yeah, come on, honey. This has nothing to do with you. Oh, honey, just put it back. Oh, oh don't ask questions. Oh, like, sweetheart. Yeah. This is above your pay grade. You know? Guys, yeah. without the knowledge, so, and nobody knows, is how do I know if this, if this is even okay? Right. <laughs> <laughs> right. And so... So we're going back to that version of the fallen woman. And then, um, you know, there are literally Amy Tan wrote about what you can do not to fall down um, as you age. And she took it very literally. And then, you know, fallen is failure. A lot of women talked about not meeting what goals they had set for them by their parents or goals um, they had set for them by themselves. Again, what script that they're following and needing to change that script. So we offered a lot of room for women to find their fallen selves. And of course, all of the stories are then how you rise. Mm -hmm. And so, how you maybe re-script. Yes, exactly. And, and I am fascinated with storylines that we we may or may not know that we're a part of. Um, mm -hmm. and, and I love how your essays question into those storylines. Um, well, yeah, and this is because we, um, we, uh, uh, as I, I hope we'll be talking about, that we are, there are, just like families, there are families that we're given and there are families that we make. And there are stories that we're handed. And then there are stories that we revise or we dismantle or we flip over and that, um, but they deserve... Um, they deserve almost a kind of, um, I think, especially in women's lives, but men too, a kind of reverse engineering. It's mm -hmm. like, okay, here's here's the happy ending, but let's reverse engineer how we get to this so-called happy ending to see whether it's what we actually want. 
And it seems to me that the falling aspect is sort of the judgment in some ways of, well, you didn't follow the script. Yeah, <laughs> yes. absolutely. So yeah. because yeah. you didn't follow the script, uh, you are now outside the script and have right. fallen or maybe that was part of the script that you're supposed to fall at some point. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. And it just seems to me that that the pausing and being able to reflect by looking at all these essays allows us to see, oh, yeah, that is that is that what I want, you know? And and can I do a reverse engineering? What do? Mm-hmm. And I think part of that is discovering what you want, right? You know. Well, yeah, and what it is what you want different from what you've been told is desirable. Mm-hmm. And I think that that's a very big moment when you hear that. You know, I mean, let's think about women's literature just for a minute. I mean, my my day job is as an English teacher at the University of Connecticut. Um, and a writer about, um, you know, studied uh, women's novels for 110 years. And um, that, you know, the happy ending for women is marriage. Right. But that, you know, Cinderella got the prince. <laughs> but yeah, but it's the idea that women's stories end. Yes. Marriage. Yeah. Like that's the end. You're done now. <laughs> You're done now. Okay. That, <laughs> now let's go on marriage, to someone else. <laughs> and that and that marriage for men, if it shows up at all in the masculine narrative, is a detail. Yeah. It is certainly not the happy ending. Mm-hmm. You know, getting the girl almost an is, obligation. <laughs> well, yeah, I mean, getting the girl is part of the male story. It mm-hmm. is not the happy ending mm-hmm. of the male story. It is on the way to larger quest narratives, yeah. where all the girl is supposed to want is to get some poor bastard to buy her a ring and put it on her finger and put a ring on it. Yeah, exactly. Put a ring on it and like stay home and then make sure she separates, you know, the, the dainty, uh, you know, the, the dainty wash from the heavy duty wash. Um, It's no way for an adult to go through life. And it was, you know, Betty for Dan and the feminine mystique who talked about this half a century ago Mm. and, or a little bit more now. Um, but it's still a struggle. I have to, I have to tell you, I mean, I have students who are, are smart, bright, ambitious, and I had one young woman not that long ago at, who was getting married the week after she graduated. And I said, okay, that's, you know, good for you. Uh, this is a choice, right? Mm-hmm. And she I said, why though? Why are you getting married right after you graduate? And she said, I just want to stop thinking about relationships. Oh my! Said, Good luck oh, on that marriage. Really? Oh, oh, really? You know, because you are going from the frying pan into the fire. It is like you think you stop thinking yeah. about relationships when you get married, yeah. but in a way, every narrative she grew up watching would indicate that. Yeah. Wow. And Gina, because of my background in theology, I keep thinking back to. Uh, the principal of Marin Catholic School came into the teacher's room one morning and said, just tell them it's a story, it's a story, it's a story. There's freedom in that. And what I'm hearing is there's a lot of stories. in yeah. he's, he's talking about the Bible. And then there's a lot of stories about the stories that mess us up, has messed things up and not been fair. It's. I, I also think that we start to question into the story when it's become too painful. And it, it, mm. when you have that, it's like, wait a minute, 
this isn't working for me. Um, why isn't it working for me? And and what is my joy? You know, that the want is the joy, and I'm not feeling joy right now. Um, mm. What what does that look like? And how can we that, use that? I, I think that that's a fascinating question. Although I wonder if I think it's I I, I I'm not going to even make it general. Oh. I know it took me a very long time um, to get to the point where I just didn't assume without examination that if I was unhappy, it couldn't be because I wasn't fitting into the story. The story didn't work for me, but that there was clearly something wrong with me. Mm. And um, because the story seemed to be so strong, you acquire this, you feel this, you get used to this, you achieve this, that it's like you get that and you go, well, I'm still, I still feel incomplete. I still feel wrong i still feel like um i didn't get the love that i needed i thought mm-hmm. this would come with some kind of bonus like i would feel good about myself right. like maybe there would be self-esteem and you realize that the story is is incorrect that this is a false set of promises this is you know you didn't read the ingredient label <laughs> and you didn't read the disclaimer that says what is the disclaimer it, it may not work your results may vary. Right. Yeah. Your right. results may vary. vary. It's yeah. like, wait a minute. I did all this stuff. <laughs> I, I followed took- the recipe. <laughs> right. And your results may vary because yeah. you come out of an entirely different, you know, swamp. And you, you know, you do not, you again, talking about with Rick, you know, talking about you come out of the whatever theological um, backdrop your family gave you, whatever ideas about what's right and good and what not only your family wants from you, but what your idea of a God wants from you, what counts as moral, what counts as proper, what counts as appropriate. And then you realize that it's like, wait, wait, can I get... What are the original citations for this? Yeah. <laughs> I'd, I'd like to go to the source material. Can I get the studies <laughs> yes. that say, as long as I'm married by 27, I, I'll be happy? I keep so looking at the back of the book and they're not there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yes. It's nothing but, like, you know, can I speak to a manager? But, because this is not. This um, isn't working. I, yeah. Well, yeah. I, I do have to move us into huh. the next segment, but it, it seems to me, and this is just my own conjecture that laughter helps in in that reframing you know laughter helps in the recognition laughter helps in in being able to you know question into it but we'll talk more uh gotta take a break gotta listen to some great commercials and we'll be right back after a few short commercials welcome back to connections radio show we talk about ideas that matter. And today we're talking about women, culture, stories about us, and finding the humor and discovering our own stories. And Rick Bernardo has been the producer of this show, has uh, been able to hold the show and be able to bring us uh, the ideas that yeah, we're talking about today. I was the producer of past tense. That's all gone now. Oh, no. You still are. <laughs> no. I'm here. Good to see you. And we've got with us Gina Barreca, who's a Longtime University of Connecticut professor. Um, she's a, a well-known, best-selling author and humorist, uh, and is uh, a maven on uh, humor and feminism as well. So, good morning, Gina. 
Hello. Thank you for having me. Absolutely. And I also want to make sure that folks know how to um, learn more about you. And they can go to your website, which is GinaBareka.com. And that's G-I-N-A-B-A-R-R-E-C-A.com. Thank you. And I got a, a quick David Steinberg story about humor and the Bible. And he tells the story of Moses and the burning bush. And this, this is me messing up David Steinberg's story, but still. Uh, but, but he's got this conversation with a bush, right, and after he burned his feet and all that. And, uh, and he goes, uh, but I've got to do all this stuff. Who am I going to say is telling me to do this? And, uh, and the bush says, tell them I am that I am sent you. And David Steinberg goes, and Moses goes, thanks for clearing that up. <laughs> <laughs> so there's a lot in these clearing up is <laughs> with all of this stuff. It's all kind of muddy, but but finding that pause and laughter, I think, allows us to do a little bit of like, hmm, could there be something more here? Another angle. Another yeah. angle. Yeah. What is that? Well, I, I think that la what what laughter does, because part of what I've studied for all these years is is comedy and humor. Mm -hmm. and why comedy and humor matter um and why um and the ways in which that first of all that comedy doesn't it's not the same for everybody it's not we always have this idea that it's somehow like this big umbrella that we all stand under and it isn't um there are things that will make some people laugh and other people's cry, people cry immediately there are things that people say, I mean, some of the, the worst emotional violence is done to uh, human beings under the guise of, oh, what's the matter? Can't you take a joke? Yes. Oh, yeah. I was just kidding. What's the big deal? I mean, there's real violence and anger and- And um, cruelty. Just cruelty. cruelty. Yes, yeah. cruelty yeah. is the yeah. right word. Um, um, that poses in that disguise. And that's, um, it's, it's, I think it's like the version of the terrifying clown. You know, it's like, no, this is not your friend. <laughs> this is somebody who is appearing to be kidding around, but who is actually doing harm to you. And that should, but, it should trigger the, the unfairness muscle in any child or adult. Yeah. Right. Yeah. When somebody it's, says it's that. It's because it's bullying. And, it's bullying. Yeah, it is. It is bullying. And it's also the idea that if, um, you know, we, we need to learn to, um, allow ourselves to say, no, that's, you know, that's not okay. So my answer to that, which um, I feel like I should patent or something, <laughs> is when somebody tells you a joke, or I mean, even one that's not directed at you, but something that you find offensive, something that is outrageous, something that is gone past just being stupid, mm -hmm. but is actually malevolent, that to be able to say something, just to, just to comment on it, so that you don't have to live with that kind of thing where you're up all night thinking what I should have said. Yes. Yeah. I should have said this. I should have said that. That just to say to somebody, look, I'll forgive you for telling that story if you forgive me for not laughing. Oh, nice. And that you get to register your response. Right. You don't have to get into a four-hour argument. I mean, there are times when the four-hour arguments are appropriate, but there are times when you just... You can't bring yourself to do it or the situation doesn't allow it. But just so you register to say, uh-uh, nope, yeah. 
you know what? I'm calling you on this. And, you know, you forgive me for not laughing. I'll forgive you for telling and that. And it, it takes but, a little bit of the air out of what was just said, too. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. If somebody's not an idiot, it deflates it entirely. And what it feels like when that happens, you know, it feels like you're stepping out of the order here. You know, yes. and, and the order well, is such, and I am going to be the enforcer of the order so that you get in line is what Well, it, or that it's, it's refusing to give somebody um, the expected response, which mm-hmm. again, in the best of all possible ways to go back to what you're talking about, Lori, is that it makes them think. Yeah. And if, if somebody is able to do that, it makes them think twice. And, and it maybe gives them a sense that they have crossed over into, I mean, all humor deals, the best comedy always has dealt with what's taboo, Comic, great comedy since like Aristophanes onward has dealt with the stuff that you can't talk about. It deals with sex. It deals with um, discomfort. It or as Aristophanes, with... the frogs. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. It deals with the stuff that doesn't fit. Yes. Um, so that is what it's supposed to do. It's supposed to shine light on the areas in the culture that are usually remain in the shadows and that usually remain unspoken. But it, it can be misused it, to, um, to again, to be used as a weapon. But then what we learn how to do is to take, like in a martial art, you take the the violence or the bad energy or the stuff that's used being used to hurt you and you turn it around so that it flips over on the aggressor it seems to me that there's a almost two sides there's the truth-telling aspect as well as the bullying aspect that tries to take control and i know rick you've talked a lot about truth-telling in humor oh yeah and i was going to say to just even before we go into the the i i think humor does touch on a deeper truth and a certain uh twisted way to get there mm-hmm. in a way that if is here's the key it's got to feel safe if you're, if you're laughing you're generally okay if you're really mm-hmm. laughing with other people you generally love them for instance mm-hmm. um, and but the onus should really also be I got to say this as a man of my gender the onus should be <laughs> if it's a man woman thing it should be on the men and this came up uh, with uh, Trump some years ago Locker room talk? No. Yeah. No. Right. No. no. It's n- not that's, not with it, my friends. That's ugly no. and wrong. No. Yeah. No. And I and I, I also had to I have to sometimes with friends and publicly make a promise that if anything's come up, anything comes up with any friend, man or woman, that I know they wouldn't like and they're not in the room with me, I I will say something. I will stand up for anybody when they're not around. That's mm-hmm. just what it comes down to. And anybody with integrity should do that. That's absolutely what up. I you should like write that down and <laughs> <laughs> put that on a t-shirt. Oh, because yeah. I think it's right. It's the idea that even if they're not just what you said, even if they're not there, that this is the you know, this is the stuff. It's not a free for all. Humor. And it's not okay to just let it go, right? You yeah, know, well, I'll just right. let it go. It's a, you yeah. know, I don't want to no. create a you know a drama. You know, I'll just let it go. I, I don't believe it, but it yeah. it is is by not saying something a tacit agreement. Exactly. And, and and so that's exactly so. There's somebody again. I'm you know, 
you know, we're all white people here, but if somebody's telling a racist joke, it's like, no, same thing. who exactly. are you to say this? Are you out of your mind? I will. I have said a number of times I've got friends who would not like that and I don't like it. So that's yeah. that. It's more like I'm not saying you did the wrong thing. I'm saying here's the reaction. Right. Uh, yeah. I mean, it, it kind of amounts to the same thing, but yeah. Well, but I do I have, think that that's, and it's not being the humor police, right? And oh, that's, that's a, what's you know yeah. important too. It's not being the humor police. It's just saying again, like for me, that's why that line works. It's yeah. like it's not funny. Yeah, you're wrong. <laughs> right? It's not yeah. funny. <laughs> Sorry, <laughs> I'm just yeah. going to be honest. But yeah. with that, I need to take us to a break again. But I'm excited about our next uh, segment where we're going to continue to talk about humor and the power of story and our own story and what does that look like? So stay with us. We'll be right back. Welcome back to Connections Radio Show, where we talk about ideas that matter. I'm Lori Fitz, your host, and Rick Bernardo has created this lovely show today, brought everything together. Thank you, Rick, for all the work that you do on these shows. And you've got a tremendous guest joining us. We have a tremendous guest, and her name is Gina Barreca. She's a University of Connecticut professor for many years, a well-known, best-selling author, humorist, feminist, and uh, written uh, her most recent Fast Women series book called Fast Fallen Women. And hi, Gina. Good morning. Hi. I, I, Hi. Thank you for having me. I'm so happy with this conversation. I wanted to keep going. I do too. I do too. And I and I wanted to uh, just uh, let you know since our last broadcast we were talking about comedy and we we mentioned Quincy Jones had said he thought a big laugh is really a loud noise from the soul saying ain't that the truth, yeah. which has to uh, which which rings a bell with me big time. But I also found another one uh, from Will Durst. Sorry, these are both men, uh, but yeah, you know. That's there's, uh, <laughs> but you're a guy too, so it's okay. I, I will. Yeah. Well, I'll dig deeper. Uh, but Will Durst is a uh, for many years uh, in the in the San Francisco Bay Area comedian. Uh, but he said comedy is a form of defiance. It can be a snort of contempt in the face of fear and anxiety, and it's the laughter that allows us hope to creep back in on the inhale. Ooh, I like that. Yeah. Yeah. And, and we and our, our show if you have just joined us, I encourage you to go back and and listen to the first two segments. You can do that by going to am950radio.com. And we've been talking about women, culture, the stories about us, finding, using and addressing humor. I think has been part of our conversation. Um, and Hello, as, humor. Yeah, as we discover, you know, <laughs> is that you're addressing? I am Always addressing. addressing. I like that you're addressing. I, it humor. has a PO box too, yeah. but that's different. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, go for it. I, I was going to say we left off uh, right before the break on the importance of laughter. Yes, and and I, I take it. Um, as is like a personal mission in my life is that laughter is not laughter. Mark Twain said against the, um, the, uh, against laughter, no tyranny can stand. Oh, I like that. And that the idea that laughter drives away fear. Somebody who is laughing is not afraid. Mm-hmm. Um, that it's like, they can't exist simultaneously i mean because we're talking about real laughter we're talking mm-hmm. about the, the the sort of not the the weird nervous giggling or um 
you know, the, the manufactured performative laughter, but the real laughter, the, the Quincy Jones the lines and the, and the yeah. lines he was just saying, it's like the stuff that does come from the heart, from the gut. It's, it's your body's reaction to something. And it is about freedom. It's about, it's a refusal to be contained that it's is one of the reasons that hysteria, if we're going to go back to the idea of hysteria, um, you know, from Greek, the wandering womb, they were such fun, the Greeks. And, um, <laughs> but it's, it's the idea that things are out of place, but people do, and not just women, although women being allowed as we are to display our emotions more publicly than men, um, not that we have them, uh, you know, uh, men have their own emotions, but women have been encouraged to display them more publicly. But the hysteria will go from weeping to laughter in in a second, sure. in a breath. Sure. That um, it's not only because something is funny, but because something moves you so deeply. And speaking of what, so once we're in that emotional space, we're in a deeper space for which there really aren't words at that point. There's right. a language going on beyond the words, and it has to do with a, a piece of, I would say, joy, but also trust is happening somewhere if we're really laughing with somebody. Um, but you, on, recently on Facebook, Gina, you <laughs> had seen and said – uh, you had seen the, the documentary on Fred Rogers, and uh, uh, and we want to talk about that because there's uh, so much moving um, and also inspiring uh, things going on with the conversation you're having with people. So let's first I want to we want to play uh, just 30 seconds from the documentary about Fred Rogers called "Won't You Be My Neighbor." It's an invitation for somebody to be close to you. The greatest thing that we can do is to help somebody know that they're loved and capable of loving. Won't you please, won't you please, please won't you be my neighbor? That was Mr. Rogers. <laughs> Does that bring and anything I want back? to start crying now, okay? I was going to say. going to start crying now. I haven't not seen that yet, and I have to. Um, I actually didn't grow up on Fred Rogers. I was just a little bit after or before. No, before. No, a little after. Both uh, of us were a little after. After, after yeah. but. Uh, yeah. Because I was born we, before, that's yeah. get, gets yeah, confusing. It is. But we were old. We were too old to be <laughs> yeah, watching it. <laughs> the point is, point is I'm old. Yeah. I did not so, watch him. <laughs> you yeah. didn't watch him either. But, but I've been a fan ever since. Uh, that this was ministry for yeah. him. This was yeah. something yeah. sacred on what you do for other people. And but, my brother, who's five years younger, watched him. So I uh, would watch in conjunction with con conjunction with him watching and seeing how. It calmed him down. I mean, this was a wild child. <laughs> you put on Mr. Neighbors and Mr. Rogers, and and you know you went to the little happy place. It it, it to me again. I had also like you. Uh, I'm 66, so I had never grown up. I'd never been put in front of the TV where I could watch Mr. Rogers. Um, but watching this documentary, which took him from. Um, 
I mean, it's really a documentary about media, about TV, and about actually uh, taking it back to what we're doing here about your show, about connections, because that's what he made. And he did it, his audience, the, the sort of shocking or um, for, for those days, but the unique part of him was that his audience was children and that he took children seriously. He treated <laughs> them with yeah. respect. He didn't just have things blowing up. I mean, I grew up loving, I have to say, and watching Bugs Bunny yes. and you know, all of those cartoons and you know, Roadrunner going off the cliff. And, only <laughs> and, the, and the coyote kind of with yeah, his exactly. acne, so, yes. And, and I learned a lot of life lessons yeah. from those. So yes. I know. But Mr. Rogers, he, uh, what was overwhelming for me was the sense of um, what Mr. Rogers was doing in the, the clips where it, it was the early 60s and where he was getting funding to put these programs on that they were so radical in treating children like human beings. Right. Not and just and dealing people. with very serious subjects. Absolutely. I mean, they, I remember even as a kid with watching with my brother um, dealing with a child that had a terminal uh, cancer and right. and being able to, you know, share about what that little girl was going through. And it was right. like, wow. It, Absolutely. Um, it, he had a child that was a clip of him with a, a, a boy who was probably six or seven in a wheelchair. Yeah, mm -hmm. I, saw, I remember and, that. Yeah. And he was all about like, you're perfect as you are. Yes. You know, you are perfect as you. I, and I mean, I I mean, I just again, I lost it. And I thought, why can't this is what I've been wanting someone to say. And, to and, me. It's yes, like, we and, love you yes. as you are. Yes. And, and that, what a line. Yeah. And Mr. Yeah, Rogers not, honors him so much by saying, you know, I bet you've got some hard days. And, and the little boy yeah. goes, uh, but I'm feeling great now. Yeah. <laughs> oh, In that oh, moment. Oh, that'll make you cry. Yeah. But not in a, not, it was not, however, and this is such a hard thing to do, um, not in a way that was sentimental or melodramatic. Right. There was nothing in a way, this is something all about how important individual people's emotional lives are that has nothing to do with narcissism. Right. Right. <laughs> I mean, like that's some kind of magic because well, it's ab absolute yeah. empathy and teaching yeah. empathy. You know, yeah. This is how you honor each other. Right. Um, and even going into the little kingdom and the little story that they would tell, yeah. you know, that sort of reflected on on whatever the life lesson was in that. But you never felt like it was a life lesson. You just felt like you were just with Mr. Rogers. Well, I would and say, it, yeah, I'm sorry. Go ahead. I was going to just just one thing. I would suggest that for all of us, there's a place in our future and in our hearts uh, where um, the Presbyterian minister, Fred Beekner. And by the way, Fred Rogers was a Presbyterian minister too. But Beekner says the place where God calls you is the place where your own deep gladness and the world's deep hunger meet. Oh. And oh. and I I would I love aiming for those crossroads. Yeah. You know. Uh, yeah. But, but and th this comes up because it's not it's not selfish. It's it's both. It's everything. It's it serves everybody. And it's about and, service. Yeah. Yeah. There's and power also, in it. It's also about the, um, again, the sense of making connections that uh, are, are between parts. I mean, one of the things that uh, 
is so crucial is understanding that that joy and despair and that the most miserable thing that you go through can eventually become your funniest story. And that doesn't um, undercut the misery that you actually went through that, that to make it honors it, it honors it, it transforms it. It's, it is what you get again, you get to redeem. If we're going to talk about it in sort of theological or uh, is, but you get to redeem it the way you get your money back on a deposit. (laughs) But I get to redeem the experience like this thing happened to you. But if you make a story out of it, that's yours and you can retell it. It's not something that was done to you by the universe. It's a story that is yours, that you have control over it and you can tell it in your way. And if you can make yourself and somebody laugh, to see the again the ironies the absurdities right <laughs> yeah that, oh, thank that, you then it gets you back your deposit on that original Pain. thing that you gave yeah. to the world right yeah. and and i do think it's part of it is being able to hold it differently being able to hold the pain not dismiss the pain to hold right. the pain and hold the joy and how do you do both and again we have to go to break But we'll be back back because there's more to talk about. And thank you for your insights. I also want to make sure that the audience knows how to get um, to learn more about you. And that's GinaBareca.com. And that's G-I-N-A-B-A-R-R-E-C-A.com. And we'll be right back. Welcome back to Connections Radio Show, where we've been talking about women and culture and humor and and the power of and discovery and all those wonderful things that um, give us a, a hint and perhaps indication of what is our own story and how do we shape that. And thank you, Rick Bernardo, who is my co-host and producer of the show. Good morning. And we have with us Gina Barreca. Uh, her website, by the way... Gina, G-I-N-A, and Bareka is spelled with two R's, B-A-R-R-E-C-A, Bareka.com. That's her website. You can see all about her as a Yukon professor and author. Welcome, Gina. Hi. <laughs> we could do this all day and just have I a wonderful... Know, this is really, this is so much fun. Yes. So, I mean, the uh, can we go back yes. to the idea yes. of how humor yes, yes, yes. is redemptive? Yeah, and how humor. I, in fact, my husband and I just watched, rewatched the name of the rose. Remember oh. the old movie oh. with Sean Connery, yes, and Christian Slater, um, and it's a book that I teach. It's Umberto Eco. Yeah, and the plot, in case people don't remember it, and it's like six hundred pages, so you don't have to go back and reread it. And the movie is okay, but it doesn't hold up as well as it should. I can also say that, but the book is amazing because it's a bunch of monks in the 13th centuries during the inquisition, always a fun time. In fact, everybody- Dark ages were lots of fun. Yeah, but the, everybody did expect the Spanish inquisition. They had to give you two weeks notice. So unlike Monty (laughs) Python, they really did have to let you know they were coming. But um, there's a monk who, because the, the, you know, Aristotle, we have the book on tragedy, but we don't have the book on comedy. And um, there's a monk who's head of the uh, the monastery who believes that laughter is the devil's work. 
And so ends up killing everybody. Uh, any of the priests, uh, the, the copiers, because they are copying old manuscripts, uh, who laugh because some of the, the copiers and the artists, they put little um, funny drawings in the pages. And it's the idea that somehow laughter is unholy, where I think if we go back to like Erasmus and in Praise of Follow, if we go back to early versions of, um, you know, uh, religion and worship and just the idea of reaffirming, you know, why, why we're here and what our business is on this planet. It's got to be about joy. Yes. And joy has to include laughing at ourselves at those, you know, the, again, as we said, the absurdities around us, because if you don't do that, then there's, then why bother? Right. I mean, it, it would be like eating tasteless food. You know, you could exist, but like the, the beauty of it. You know, you know it, it strikes me hard. when you were saying that the, the monk that didn't believe humor had a place and right. it, it it strikes there was a lot of threat there to humor. Yeah. What, yeah. What, the threat of humor perhaps was being able to question into things and being exactly. able, you know, to claim uh, something different. And without well, humor. And then, again, going back to that, that line from Twain of, you know, that against tyranny, against um, laughter, tyranny cannot stand. And also there was a 19th century woman writer who I really like, a columnist named um, Angus, um, Agnes Reppler, who said that only you, you can't be afraid of what, you know, a directing humor against those in power or against um, institutions because only false gods are laughed off their pedestals. Ooh. I just got right? a yeah. great line. There's how could there be anything wrong with wanting to share joy with people? That's right. just sort of like an inherently definition thing. It, it's kind of a big like, Debbie Downer. It's a, <laughs> it's like, uh, yeah. No, I, I'm going to go over yeah. here with these people now. Thank you. Yeah. Yeah. And, and Rachel, uh, Rachel Dratch, who started Debbie Downer, is a friend of mine. Oh, is she? I love her. I love her. Tell her I'm one of her biggest fans. I love her. Okay. <laughs> Well, but it's, um, but the but the people who bring humor into our lives, um, I don't think that there's a particular sainthood dedicated to them, but there should be. There should be, and and we're down to like less than a minute left in our show, and I just wanted to make sure that I thank you so much for taking taking time in the morning and you know just giving us your ideas. You're fascinating. The books that you write are fascinating, um, and thank you, thank you for all you do. Go see those books on GinaBareka.com website. There's all, all kinds. They're beautiful. <laughs> they're, they're beautiful. Some are, they're funny and meaningful, you know. And, and Gene, I'll put, I'll put you on the spot again. We're going to want to have you come back again. Oh, please, please. What a great way to start a Saturday. Oh, well, this is fabulous. Well, we, we love your insights and you get us thinking and you get us laughing. And I think um, that's the best way to start a day, don't you? Absolutely. And thank you to the audience that joined us today. We look forward to having you join us next week here on AM 950, the progressive voice of Minnesota on the Connections Radio Show.